Thank you so much for being here today. I do hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're glad that you're here with us today. We're thankful that you're here with us today. Um, If you're here for the first time today, you picked a fantastic day to show up because we are starting a brand new message series, and that's what we do here at Hope. We take a topic and we talk about it for a number of weeks until I run out of stuff to say, until you're sick of hearing about it, whichever happens first. And so here we are, and here's what we're going to do at church, and this is such a weird topic for us to cover in a church setting. I know, it's, it's so crazy. We're going to talk about the Bible in church. Isn't that weird? It's kind of like talking about Jesus in church. It's just such a radical, weird thing that churches do. But we're going to talk about the Bible for four weeks, and here's why we're going to talk about the Bible. Do you guys remember back in June? It was a simpler time. It was a warmer time. And I introduced this idea to you all, this thing that we're going to be doing in January of 2019, which is right around the corner. I talked to you all about this challenge, the Chronological Bible Reading Challenge. Do you remember when I talked about that back in June? Three of you do. Fantastic. So back then, we talked about this thing, and we talked about the importance of reading the Bible. And I know how it is for so many, for so many Christian people, right? Those of you in this room, you're at a place where you consider yourself a Christian. So many of us, we want to do this thing, right? We want to read the Bible. And so when I introduced this idea back in June, some people perked right up. I even think I had one person applaud, one person applaud the idea of actually being able to do this. And so as we get closer and closer to our start date, we're going to use these four weeks to tell you some stuff about the Bible to help you prepare for this challenge. And as Pastor Sean mentioned earlier, uh, we, we hope to have your information, your email address, because we're going to be sending out emails about this challenge and to get you prepared. And so we're going to do everything we can to help you get prepared for this. I'm going to do everything I can do as your pastor to help you get prepared for this, right? But there's only so much we can do. There's only so much I can do. At a certain point, you have to take ownership of this challenge for yourself. You have to take responsibility for yourself and just do it, right? It's like they say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it read the Bible, right? All right? So we're going to give you every advantage that we can and try to help you prepare yourself for this challenge. And so that's why we're doing this four-part series about the Bible. Um, Let's see. I was thinking back to the first Bible I ever received, and I was just a little guy. I don't even think I could read yet. (laughs) But I got a Bible, and my mom probably still has it at her house because she doesn't throw out anything. Um... But I remember what it looked like. It was um, a hardcover Bible, and I think like the, the, the part, like this part, what's this called? This part here was spine. You sure? That sounds weird. Um, the spine was green, I think, or something like a dark green color. And there was a picture, I think it was maybe on the inside cover of Jesus, a painting of Jesus and the little children kind of a thing, right? And I don't think it had maybe just a few pictures in it. It wasn't a picture, but it was called a children's Bible, but it wasn't a picture Bible. And um, I didn't read any of it, like none of it, not, not a single word. I mean, I got it and I couldn't read, so that's a pretty good reason for not reading the Bibles. I didn't know how to read, right? Like, that's a good excuse as far as excuses go. Hey, man, why aren't you reading your Bible? I'm just a little guy. I don't know how to read. Okay, I'll let it slide. So I didn't read that Bible at all. The second Bible that I ever received, I happen to have here today. A little walk down memory lane. Here it is. And this is actually just a New Testament. Anybody else have one of these? All right, there we go. Good. Look at these 80s colors, by the way. Isn't that great? Good news for modern man. Now, I know, right? Now, that's always that you run into an issue. As soon as you, you advertise something or title something as being modern, like it's not modern anymore. This was in the 80s. Anyway, good news for modern man. Wonderful 80s colors. And um, my pastor gave this to me. And he wrote a lovely little note on the inside that I'm not going to read for you. Um, but he gave this to me, and he gave it to me on my seventh 
birthday. Now, what seven-year-old wouldn't love this? I mean, look at this. There were maps, and there were charts, and there was all... Look at that. That's fantastic. Um, I didn't read any of this ever. Never have. Probably should. Did not read this. The next Bible I received wasn't a Bible at all. These keep getting smaller, by the way. This was uh, just one book. It's the Gospel of John. And I got this, I think it was about 11 years old, 10, 11 years old. It was at a Billy Graham crusade. Some of you know who that guy is. And um, it, was a, it was a big day for me. I, I talked about it before. I made it official. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I thought maybe I'd already done that. I wasn't sure. So I made it official that day and uh, prayed with some guy, this counselor guy. And he cried. And it was weird, but it was emotional. And Anyway, and then he gives me this to read. It's the gospel according to John. And uh, in the back of this, there's a little chart to help you read, like a day-by-day chart. And as you can see, I made it to day seven. So we're making progress, right? We went from not reading it at all to actually making some progress. The next Bible I got, <clears throat> I got to be honest with you all, I actually stole this. I straight, up, I straight up stole this from the church I was attending. Straight up stole it. It was a pew Bible. Do you know what a pew Bible is? It's like churches that have pews, you know, like real churches. They've got these pews, and there's a Bible in there. Straight up stole this, um, but this one I actually read a good bit of, okay? I started in the New Testament. You look at all these fun bookmarks that I kept in there. Okay, some bookmarks, some receipts, piece of toilet paper. Why is that in there? I don't know. Draw your own conclusions. Um, But I actually spent some time with this Bible. I read the first four books of the New Testament, which are called the Gospels. Um, They are the four biographies of the life of Jesus. And it took me the better part of a year to do that. It really did. And that's that's just how long it took me at the time. There are no study notes in this Bible. But there's nice large print for, you know, for elderly church people. You can read that. Um, I read that, read a good bit of the New Testament, read some of the Old Testament. So we're starting to make progress. However, I didn't read the whole Bible until I was in my mid-20s, okay? And my question I have is, is why? (laughs) Why did it take me so long to actually read this thing? I mean, I've been a Christian, follower of Jesus, church kid for forever. I mean, I think my parents started taking me to church when I was three, so that's a pretty long time. So I'm in the Sunday school setting. I'm in the church setting. I'm around other Christian people. We're talking about the Bible. We're singing songs about the Bible. You know, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. You know, like we believed in the importance of this book. Why did it take me so long to crack it open and begin reading it? And maybe you're wondering that yourself. Those of you who have been Christians for a long time, it's like, you know, you go to to maybe a worship service and you hear about the Bible or you hear somebody read a passage of the Bible or maybe you you read it on occasion. or Maybe you've had that desire, right? You've wanted to do it. Why haven't we? Why haven't you done it yet? And I think there are a few really solid reasons why we don't do this. Let me tell you one of them. It's difficult. Can we just own this? All right, let's stop feeling shame about it when I walk into the church and anytime I talk about reading the Bible, I kind of look down. I feel, let's stop. Don't, no, there's no room for that. We're not that kind of church. There's no shame here. It, it is difficult. Now, maybe that offends you. It's not difficult. No, it is, it is difficult. Here's what I mean by that. You have to think when you open up this book. You have to engage with the text. I mean, you're reading about, this is an ancient text, and you're reading about an ancient people that you, you might not know much about, and it requires cross-referencing, where you have to say, wait, I don't understand this, and, 
and you need to have a Bible with study. If you don't have a Bible with study notes, it's just like, I have no idea what's going on. There's no way to, to really look it up. Maybe I'll look on my phone. Maybe I'll Google. I mean, it's difficult. It's not like reading the newspaper. It's not like scrolling through your social media feed where you can catch a few sentences here and there. You need to stop what you're doing and engage and reflect. Otherwise, it just, it just doesn't happen, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us in this room have made it through most of Genesis until we tap out and say, I don't get it. This is too tough. I don't get it. You know? It's tough. So let's just own that. And that's the number one reason why we don't do any of the things that we should do, right? Whether we're Christians or not, you know, you should eat healthy. Yeah, but it's tough. I want to eat this instead. We should exercise. Yeah, but it's tough. It's easier to sit down. You know what I mean? There's all these things that we should be doing that are good for us. We don't do them. And the number one reason why is because it's difficult. So let's just own that. This is challenging, all right? The reason we're calling it the Chronological Bible Reading Challenge is because it really is a challenge to make your way through this book. So that's one reason. Let me give you one more reason why we don't do this. Why, and this is just like not university, but just for us Christians. Why we Christians, why we don't read the Bible. Why those of us who believe this is important, why we don't read it. Here's another reason why. <clears throat> this may sound ridiculous to you. Just hear me on this. Here's another reason why we don't read the Bible. <sighs> We don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. I know, doesn't that sound weird? We don't know what this thing is. In fact, I was just previewing some of the children's church curriculum, which is back there, by the way, and it's excellent. Really wonderful curriculum that our children's church group is going to be starting in, in January. Really excited about it. And they're going to be learning about the Bible in children's church. Isn't that great? But the first question that they put out there, and this is so brilliant, this is so wise, the creators did this. The first question they put out there is, what is this thing? What is this book? So I'd like to have a little bit of fun right now, and by fun I mean an awkward church moment. And I'd like to ask for some crowd participation, all right? So let me, you're not allowed to answer if you're a pastor. Um, let me ask you, off the top of your head, answer the question, what is the Bible? Great. Let's try it one at a time. Who's got some? Nice and loud, nice and loud, nice and loud. It's a book. Yes, it is a book. Wonderful. We're on the right track. We're making progress. What else we got? It's a book. God's Word. I love it. It's God's Word. That's, I mean, that's what I was taught. It's the Word of God. It's God's Word. It's the same thing, right? Great. But what is that? <laughs> it's God's Word, right? We believe it. Wow, this is the Word of God. What, is that? what does that mean, practically speaking? How should this impact our lives? Any other answers? What is the Bible? It's a collection of 66 books. Great. Now we're getting somewhere. And that's important to note because this isn't just one book that's about one thing. Okay, here, no, it's 66 books that have been compiled together. There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. They've been put together in the 66 books written over, of course, a time about 1,500 to 1,600 years, about 40 different, different contributors. Okay, so we're getting somewhere. What else do we got? What is the Bible? History... Yes, there's history in it. Yes, the Bible does contain history, but more than that too, right? What else is the Bible? This is, this is prophecy. Well, that sounds really dramatic. Prophecy. <laughs> prophecy. What, what, what is? That's great. That's true. What is prophecy? It contains a life of Christ. Biography. So we've got prophecies. Prophecies are telling. Prophets, basically, again, it does sound really dramatic. Do you know what a prophet is? A prophet speaks God's message to the people, right? And a lot of times the message that God gave was to the people. It had to do with what was going on in their lives right there and, the, right there and then. 
And sometimes a prophet would speak the message that was about something that would happen in the future, right? Sometimes we think about prophecies all being about the future time. It's not always about that, all right? So we got prophecies, we got these biographies, the life of Jesus, we got history, it's a book made up of 66 books. Okay, we're on the right track. The Bible is all these things, but it's also so much more. Take a look at the passage of Scripture that's in your bulletin that David read for us. And so to give you a little bit of background here, this is the book of Hebrews, this is in your New Testament And to make things kind of simple for us, the New Testament is everything that happens from the birth of Jesus on, okay? So this is the New Testament. It's the book of Hebrews. I don't know who wrote this book because nobody knows for sure. Some people think Paul wrote this book. Some people say, I don't know if it was Paul. This book is called the book of Hebrews because it was written to the Hebrews. And that's something important to note, that when you come across the term Hebrews, the term Jews, the term Israelites, it's all the same group of people we're talking about. And so we're in the time of the New Testament. We're in the age of the church, if I can call it that. The church has launched. The church has begun. The movement of Jesus Christ in the world that we call the church, it has started up. And this writer is writing to a group of Hebrew people, of Jewish people, of Israelites who had their, what we call the Old Testament. They had their scriptures. They had their understanding of God. And this writer is writing to them. And this passage, it really is, it kind of works as a standalone idea, but but right before this passage, the writer is talking about this idea of, of taking a Sabbath or being in a season of rest, and really what he's talking about is the work that's required of us for salvation has been completed. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, so we can rest in that. We're no longer trying, and he's writing again to the Hebrew people who thought they had to earn it, the same way many people nowadays think we need to earn it. No, that's not true. He was writing to the people saying, you don't need to earn it, you can rest in this. It's been done. And so then he talks about this, and then he moves on from there, and he talks about Jesus and what he is to us and what he's done for us. But let's see what this says. It says, for the word of God is alive. Come on now. This book is alive. I remember being a kid trying to make my way through this church stuff, trying to pay I mean, I would try some days. I would try to pay attention. I was trying to figure this stuff out. But then I hear these Christian people, I hear these adults say stuff like this and think, that's not, what are you, that, that, that can't be true. How is it alive? You're being dramatic. This is not alive. You just really like it. It's not alive. It's just like cool or something. I don't know. It can't, how, what does that mean that it's alive? And it's so funny because now here I am as an adult, as a Christian, as a pastor, tasked with this very difficult challenge here of trying to communicate to you what that means. It really is alive. You read this thing, and it speaks to you. It's alive, and it's active. Yes, this is an ancient collection of texts, but it is relevant to you, to me, to our culture. It's alive. It's active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let me give you another reason why. This is the third reason why so many of us Christians don't read this book. It's like a mirror. You see yourself in it, your real self. I mean, you can't help it. You read these passages and listen. For those of you who are doing the Bible reading challenge, if you're going to participate in that, you're going to go through days where you're reading this stuff and you feel like, well, that's not me. They're talking about Israel. It's nothing to do with it. And all of a sudden, you're going to land on the passage like, whoa, 
this is about me. This book shows you your heart. It's a mirror that shows you your own heart and shows you your own weaknesses and your own faults. And it can be convicting. In a word, it's convicting. And who wants to be convicted? (laughs) Who wants to feel that way? Who wants to feel like, oh, I need to make some changes in my life? We don't want to feel like that. And it's impossible to make your way through this entire book without feeling that sense of, I need to change. So that's another reason why we don't read this book. It is alive. It is sharp. It can split us wide open and show us what's inside. That's pretty graphic, isn't it, right? Shows us what's there, who we are, and what we're about. So if we go back to that question, the simple question, well, maybe it's not so simple, the big question of what is the Bible, I want to encourage you to think about the Bible in this way. The Bible is, are you ready for this? Look at our note takers. They're like, okay, give it to me. The Bible is a revelation, okay? A revelation. Now, you might be thinking, isn't that the name of one of the books in the Bible? Yeah, it is, right? It's a revelation. It's a revealing. Or to, to put it another way, it is an unveiling. There is truth revealed in this book, right? Yes, there's history revealed. Yes, there's information revealed. Yeah, there's a whole lot of instructions revealed in this book, but it's more than that. It's a revealing. It's a revelation. Hey, we had some props today. Look at this. It's a revelation. Are we excited about props? Lower your expectations, all right? (laughs) I wasn't expecting anything. All right. Yes, the Bible, it is a revelation, and it reveals so much to us. I want to give you three categories here, three big things. And it's a revelation of truth. Here's what's really going on, okay? So it's an unveiling. It's a revelation. Here we go. What does it reveal to us? It reveals to us... Life. The truth about life. Well, that's an awfully broad topic, isn't it? The truth about life, about creation, about the order of things, about how there is a beginning and how there is an end. The truth about life and death, the truth about what we do in this world, the truth about relationships, the truth about, about a marriage, the truth about being a parent. All these aspects of life, being a parent, being a child, what that's like. Being an employer, being an employee, all of this stuff, how we use our time, how we use our money, the things that we can expect in this life, the fact that life in this planet, on this planet, is broken, and we can expect trouble in this life. This book reveals to us the truth about life. And the funny thing is, it's like so many of us, we go through life not really asking questions like, what is the meaning of all this? And why do these things happen? Well, the answers, they may not be the answers that you want, but the answers are revealed to us in Scripture. This reveals to us what life is about, how life works, what to expect. This is useful. If you're going to be a human being and exist on this planet, I don't care if you're a Christian or not, if you're going to be a human being and exist on this planet, that's useful information. How does life work? Did you ever feel that way as a kid? Like, I don't understand what these adults are up to, what they're doing. And then you get to be an adult, and you're like, I don't understand what I'm doing, what I'm about. You know what I mean? It shows us, it reveals to us, it unveils to us the truth of life. And so as you're reading the Bible, if you participate in this challenge or not, whenever you open up this text, whenever you open up the Bible, here's what I encourage you to do, is look for those cues, look for those clues, look for that information about life. Oh, this is what it means to be a father. Oh, this is what it means to work a job. Oh, this is what it's like when people hurt you even though you've done what's right. It shows you what life is like. Make a note of that. 
In fact, you can go through and get yourself a little notebook, something like this. And as you're reading the Bible, I would encourage you to take down notes. Write the word life, a little colon. Here's what I've learned about life in this passage. Here's what I've learned about how the world works in this passage. The truth revealed to us, unveiled to us about life. Are you ready for the next one? i got to check make sure I get this right. Okay. Ready? The Bible also reveals to us you. Now, here's where I could have said the Bible reveals to us the truth about humankind, about humanity. But I want to challenge you and encourage you to make this personal. The Bible reveals to you the truth about you, who you are what you're about, your weaknesses, your strengths. It reveals to you the truth about you. And so here's another place where I'm encouraging slash challenging you. If you're going to read the Bible, if you're going to do this thing, if you're going to take notes, you can make another little column. Okay, I've written down stuff about life. Make a you category. What have you learned about you? Let me give you an example of the kind of thing I'm talking about. Did you ever hear Adam and Eve? Have you heard that story? Have you heard about that? Some of you have heard that story so many times you never actually read it. You're going to read it in January, okay? As you're writing this stuff down, as you're reading about what happens with Cain and with Abel, and I don't want to give you any major spoilers, but there's an incident, right? <laughs> and Cain kills his brother out of jealousy and out of anger. And so what, I'm not going to share with you my little journal because it's personal, mind your own business. But what you can do there, you've written some stuff down about life, you write some stuff down about you, you make that personal. Here's what I'm learning about me in this passage. I have weaknesses. I can be overcome with jealousy. If it could happen to Cain, it could happen to me. I could be overcome with rage. If it could happen to him, it could happen to me. Or you go even further back to Adam and Eve. You've heard about those guys? I mean, Cain and Abel were their kids. Adam and Eve were the first two people, and what happened to them? They were tempted. So I, I am weak. I can be tempted. And what do they do? They're tempted. They're given this fruit. They're given to the snake, this personification of evil. This devil is there present with them. He offers them this fruit. He says it'll make them like gods, and they willingly accept it. They don't, they're not just deceived, but they actively participate in their own deception. What am I learning about me as I read this passage? I have the capacity to fool myself. I have the capacity to be lied to and to believe the lies. I need to learn this about me. Know where you are weak. I know that's kind of a bummer, but we are. We're not gods. I mean, we might want to be, but we're not. We have weaknesses. If we ignore those weaknesses, we will fall. Ignoring our weaknesses is pride. That's pride. What else does the Bible reveal to us? This is the big one. Are you ready for this? Any guesses? Here we go. Surprised by that one? No? This is the big one. This is by far the most important one. All right, don't even worry about these for now. The Bible is God's revelation to us. This is God communicating to his people, communicating to humankind, and saying, this is who I am. This is what I've done for you. This is what I care about. This is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I absolutely cannot tolerate. This is who I am. And Christians, this is what I expect of you. This is a revelation of God. What's God like? What is he like? You can show up here on a Sunday morning and hear me talk to you about it. You can sing some songs about what a guy's like, but you're going to find God in the pages of this alive book. 
I know that's a weird thing to say, but you will find him there. If you're seeking for God in this book, you will find him. And so you're taking your notes, and you've got your journal, and you've learned some stuff about life, and you've learned some stuff about you, but most importantly, you've learned some stuff about God. And you're in Genesis, and what do you learn about God? God forgives. What do we learn about God? God possesses wrath. What do we learn about God? God makes a way for us. All these things we're learning about who God is, his character, his nature, building our relationship with God. It is a revelation. So think about that going forward. Again, whether or not you participate in this challenge, whenever you pick up, and pick up the Bible and open it up and begin to read, think about these things. Seek for the truth about life, the truth about you, and most importantly, the truth about God. We're guaranteed something in the pages of Scripture, that when we seek for God, we will find Him. So this could be you. Think of this, January 1st, 2020. Think about you that day. You've read the Bible. Think about that. Okay, it's like far away, right? Is that even a real date? Is that going to happen? It's far away from now, but this could be you. You could know God in a more profound way. You could understand yourself better. You could understand life better. It's all there. This book is a revelation. Imagine the kind of people we would be if we better understood life, ourselves, and the God we claim to serve. What kind of people would we be? (laughs) Let me clarify something for you right off the bat. Reading the Bible, studying the Bible, it's not going to make you more saved. All right, Jesus took care of that. Reading the Bible, studying the Bible, it is going to make you more informed about life, about yourself, and most importantly, about God. I want that for me. Do you want that for you? I want that for us. We're supposed to be Christians here. You know, those of us who are Christians, we're supposed to know what we're talking about, right? It's dangerous. It's dangerous for us to go out into the world without being informed about what this text actually says. So we're going to do this thing. We're going to rise to this challenge. We're going to read this book. And we are going to allow ourselves to be transformed by it. And I'm really looking forward to it. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are, you are God and we are not. You are big and we are small. You are limitless and we are limited. And you love us, God. We believe that. We've read in your word that you love us and we believe that that's true. And in your great love for us, you have communicated yourself to us. You have revealed yourself to us in multiple ways, but most significantly, you've revealed yourself to us in this alive and active collection of texts that we call the Bible. Father God, for those of us in this room who are Christians, for those of us in this room who are your people, I just ask that you would give each one of us a heart, a desire, a passion for getting to know you better and let that passion motivate us to take this challenge, to read this book, to dig into this, to do the difficult thing of reading this word and studying it for ourselves. Father God, allow us to be transformed by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.